All right, Judges chapter 7, verse 24. Let's pray, and then we'll jump into the text. Father God, we come to you tonight, and I thank you for this good crowd. I thank you that we can come and hear your word, and I pray that you just help me to preach and teach in a way that's going to bring glory to you. God, I pray that you hide me behind the cross tonight. I pray that you help me to do your words justice. And as we read them and as we hear them, dear Lord, I pray that they would have an impact on our life. If not tonight, dear Lord, that we would tuck them away. And on the day that we need to remember them, dear Lord, we would. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. What we've seen up to this point uh, is we've seen Gideon finally uh, get up the courage to trust the Lord enough to go in and drive out the Midianites. Now he's doing so by means that seem kind of crazy to us. Uh, God thinned down uh, the army that was with Gideon from 22,000 all the way down to 300 men, and they were to go into the camp, and all they were to take with them were trumpets that they were going to blow. They were going to have these pitchers, like a tea pitcher. There was going to be a torch inside of it, and at, at, at Gideon's command, whenever Gideon blew his trumpet and broke his, his pitcher, his jar with his torch in it, all of the rest of the men were to follow suit. And so here were 300 Israelite men going down right into the midst of the Midianites, 135,000 it tells us on in chapter 8. And here go uh, Gideon and the Israelites to, to take on these Midianites that God says, look, I have handed them over to you, now go and take them. And so that's exactly what Gideon and those 300 men finally did. They went in, uh, as they began to go in, the, the Midianites, it said, began to fight amongst themselves. Uh, they began to flee. They began to run away. They were afraid. Uh, it was kind of chaotic. It was like a madhouse there. And so uh, here we see Gideon and the 300 with the Midianites on the run. And then Gideon, in the last verses we read last week, he calls in Naphtali, Asher, and Manasseh to help pursue uh, the Midianites and get them out of town. Now, these uh, Nasher, or excuse me, Naphtali, Asher, and uh, Manasseh, these are three of the tribes of Israel. So he's calling in some enforcements here to help now that the Midianites are on the run. So they still haven't had to fight them at this point in time. They've been fighting amongst themselves, or at least if they did, the text doesn't tell us. But what we see is, is that Gideon and the 300 are victorious. And we pick up tonight where we left off. Verse 24. Gideon sent messengers throughout the hill country of Ephraim with this message. Come down to intercept the Midianites and take control of the watercourses ahead of them as far as Beth Barah and the Jordan. So all the men of Ephraim were called out, and they took control of the watercourses as far as Beth Barah and the Jordan. That is the Jordan River. Now, I meant to bring the map out, and I forgot. But uh, if you can visualize, and you remember our map, uh, if you remember the northern part of Israel, that's where these events were taking place. They were taking place kind of in the northern part of Israel. So as these Midianites are fleeing, they're kind of going south. Now Gideon has called in some more reinforcements here. We see a mention of Ephraim. And they're supposed to, uh, to kind of guard these, these water courses. They're to guard the, the Jordan River. And it sounds like, and this may not be correct, but it sounds to me like they're trying to eliminate their path of escape. They're kind of getting them to where they want to go. They're kind of filtering them uh, 
through one certain part that they're trying to get them through, so they're blocking everything for the Midianites uh, as they begin to escape. So uh, Gideon has called in all of these reinforcements, and they're coming from the north, and they're kind of coming down south, as we're going to see in the verses we read. Some of the places that are mentioned are going to be places that are a little further to the south and a little further to the east. So if you kind of remember that map, uh, you you may remember and and kind of get an idea of which direction uh, that they're all going here. Verse 25, they captured Oreb and Zeb, the two princes of Midian. They killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb and Zeb at the winepress of Zeb while they were pursuing the Midianites. They brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon across the Jordan. So here the, the Midianites are, they're fleeing. Uh, and, and as they call in these reinforcements, they're able to capture and to kill the princes of the Midianites. And so God really has handed over these enemies to the Israelites. Uh, they're beginning to kill off some of the higher uh, people in the land. Princes not being the highest, but, uh, but they're able to take control. Uh, we see that God is definitely with them as they're taking control of these things. Now it would appear as though They've already made their way across the Jordan at this point because they come back across to give, to give Gideon uh, the, the, the heads of these uh, that they killed. And so they're coming back across the Jordan River as the Gideon and the others are, are, are following them behind. They're running them away, and so they are in hot pursuit of the enemy. Uh, they are getting them from the area of Israel back across the Jordan and out of the promised land that belongs to uh, the Israelites. Let's go on to chapter 8, verse 1. The men of Ephraim said to him, Why have you done this to us, not calling us when you went to fight against the Midianites? And they argued with him violently. Now, Ephraim, that is the tribe of Israel, Ephraim, uh, was upset with Gideon. Why didn't you let us be part of the action? We wanted to fight along with him, with you too. Now, perhaps they didn't know about what God had told Gideon to do. I would, I would venture to say, and I could be wrong, but they probably didn't know about God telling Gideon uh, to pick only the 300. And they were saying, hey, we wanted to be part of the fight too, uh, but they weren't part of the fight. And so they were upset that they didn't get to be part of what was going on. But they did have a part, as we just saw in the previous verses. <laughs> They weren't part of the, of, the, of the forcing out of the Midianites, but they were a huge part of beginning to bring justice on the evil Midianites and all that they had done. And it was Ephraim who took the life of the princes of the Midianites. Let's read a little further in verse 2. So he said to them, What have I done now compared to you? Is not the gleaning of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abiezar? God handed over to you, Orab and Zeb, the two princes of Midian. What was I able to do compared to you? When he said this, their anger against him subsided. So Gideon kind of says, wait a minute, you were part of the action. You weren't part of the driving out of the, uh, of the Midianites, but you were part of the, of the helping to, to conquer and destroy and to continue driving them out. You played a key part in this. He even goes so far as to say, look, what you did is greater than what, than what I did. He says, uh, when he says, it's not the gleaning of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abiezar. Now, Abiezar is the, is the group of people, is the tribe, the Abiezrites, 
That's where Gideon come from. He and his father Joash, it told us earlier in the story, if you remember, that they were Abiezrites. And so what he says here is what Ephraim done, has done is greater than what Gideon has done in this respect in being able to overtake these princes of Midian. And this is a good story that's a good example of us of how God uses different people for different things. This is the same idea that we see even in the New Testament. When Paul says, look, not everybody does the same job. Now, I'm paraphrasing here. He says, some plant the seed, some water the seed, but it's God who makes it grow. Now, there may be times in our life that there may be something going on. Hopefully, it's nothing quite as serious and as extreme as what Gideon is going through here. But sometimes there's action that's going on. And we may feel like, well, God, why can't I be in that part of the action? Or we see other people doing things and we say, well, why didn't you ask me to be part of this? Or why didn't you ask me to do that? Well, it may just be that what you're to do is not what others are to do. It may be that God did not call you to do what you wanted to do, but he called you to do something else because he knew that you were better equipped for that. And that's what we see here uh, with God's people. He used the 300 to begin driving out the Midianites, but as we've seen over the last few verses, he began to call in all of the rest of the tribes of Israel to do their part to help to see that the mission was a success. Now, I hope, and I don't believe that this will ever happen, that, that God would ever call us to go to war as a church. I don't think that that's what we're called to do as a church, at least not in a physical sense. Uh, we are called to war spiritually, so to speak, I guess we could say. But there are things that God does call us to do. It may not be going to war and invading a camp and chopping off the enemy's heads, praise the Lord, but God does call us to be on mission. And there are many things that go into whatever mission we may be involved in. And there are many people who have to play a part in that. And no one part is more important than the other part because all the parts work together for something good, for something better. Now, we're right in the middle of Christmas season. Of course, we're uh, right in the middle of shoebox season. That's fresh on our mind, especially with our group leaving tomorrow to go. And that really is a good illustration to describe exactly what we're talking about here tonight. Because every one of you probably in some way have helped with the shoeboxes. And now we can't all do the same thing. We can't all go to dirt cheap and shop and dig and find the deals. We don't all have that ability. There are some people who are really good at folding boxes and you can whip them out. There are others of you and you're not terribly good at folding boxes. There are some of you that are really good at packing boxes. There are some of you who aren't terribly good at packing boxes. There are some of you who are good at taping the top of boxes. There are some of you who are not too good at taping the top of boxes. We've got lots of jobs that go into making shoe boxes, and not everybody is great at all of them. But when we all come together and we realize what our place is and say, you know what, I might not can do this, but I can do that. And when we all say, I'm going to let her, I'm going to let him do that, and I'm going to do this, what happens is we get about 30, 40 people in a small church, and we make 1,488 shoeboxes because we all work together and we all know our place. Now, that's a simple example and a small example, but that example scales to anything we do as a church. No matter how small it may be, no matter how big it may be, if there's an opportunity that God puts in front of us that we can uh, take part in and be on mission for Him, then we need to know that, look, we can't all do the same thing, but we can all work together. 
And so we don't want to be like the Ephraimites here and we want to and say, well, wait, I wanted to do this job. This job is more important than that job. Well, no, it's not because at the end of the day, every job has to be done. So we just need to focus on what we're good at, what God calls us to, if he calls us to it. And there may be things going on that God just doesn't, he just doesn't call us to do it. He doesn't give us the giftedness to do it. He doesn't place us on our, place it on our heart to do it. Maybe we say, well, there's enough people doing that. And maybe there are. But there may be other times that we see things going on at church and we say, you know what? I want to be a part of that. I think I can be used there. And what do we do? Well, we jump into those things. We bring our talents and our gifts to the table and we all work together. Now, in the case of Gideon and all the other tribes that he had called upon, they worked together to drive out their enemy. And really, that's kind of what we're doing as Christians. We're working together so that we, through Jesus Christ, can overcome the enemy in this world. Because the enemy's working hard. There is sin, there is violence, there is evil, there's all this stuff. And as Christians, we're the light going into the world to help to, to fight against these things, to combat all these evil things. And we can overcome them by the power of the Lord. That's what happened with Gideon. That's what happened with the Israelites. And that's what can happen with us. When we trust the Lord and say, God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to do what you say and I'm going to use whatever skills and ability you've given me. And if I'm called on, God, put the opportunities in front of me. And if I'm called on, God, let me be faithful to serve and let me do my part. And let me know that, hey, I may not be planting the seed, but I may be watering. Or maybe I am planting the seed. Whatever it is, it's God who's the one who, who has the power to overcome and get us through uh, and, and make successful whatever it is we're doing. And if God can deliver Gideon and the Israelites with just 300 men, then he can do it with us too. He can do it with just 30 or 40 people right here at Enterprise Baptist Church if we trust him and say, God, we're going to work for you and we're going to work together and we're going to do our part. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you tonight and I thank you for these good words and I pray that we would learn from them and we live by them, God. And I, I, I just thank you for the greatness of your power and I thank you for letting us see that in Gideon and in the Israelites. And I thank you for letting us see it right here in this church with shoeboxes and plenty of other things, dear Lord. I pray that you just would uh, help us to continue to do your work, help us to see opportunities to serve, put them in our path, dear Lord. And whatever it be your will, God, let us be faithful to do it. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.